and welcome to 30 Days of Terror, Day 17. How you do? I've got four gorgeous stories for you today. Yay! Are you really excited or is that fake? No, I'm really excited, but I'm also a bit scared because these have been good and they are freaky. So four is a lot of freaky. And I just want to clarify that, like, I don't edit these stories unless there is a need for sentence structure to be edited because it doesn't sound the same way out loud as it reads. That's it. That's the only editing that I do. So this is all you guys freaking us out. Thanks. And uh, making it hard to sleep at night. Yes. (laughs) Story number one comes from Alicia. I don't know if it was a ghost, my imagination, or anything related to the paranormal. After my second year of primary school, my mom decided we'd move to Medford, Oregon. After listening to the episode of the old dead lady in the bus that left Medford, I knew that that was a sign to finally tell people of what I've seen living there for a year and a half. I always think about these encounters, but don't know exactly what to think of it. We lived in a townhouse-style apartment. I remember leaning against my bed watching a Disney classic on the TV, and to the left of me was my window. My mom and her boyfriend were downstairs making dinner or something, and as I'm watching my movie, in the corner of my eye, I see something in the window. I looked real quick, thinking it was nothing, but then I looked again, and I swear on my childhood cat that there was a man watching me on a ladder. And I ran faster than a bobcat downstairs crying, and I tell my mom and her boyfriend as I'm crying hysterically and knowing how stupid it sounded, but I swore that I saw a man. My mom's boyfriend went to look before I could even finish saying what I had seen, and there was no one in sight. Next, in the same apartment, it was nighttime, and we were playing a board game, and where I was sitting on the floor, the stairs were in front of my vision. As someone else took their turn to play the game, I look up, and on the staircase was a black man in shadow, who I can only describe as being close to the insidious devil man. These two encounters gave me the chills thinking about them. And since then we've moved back to my hometown and I've never seen anything like those two things ever. Sorry it wasn't so terrifyingly scary, but when I was a child it was the most scariest thing I'd ever seen. But I didn't understand what it was at the time. Alicia, I I don't know why you think they're not terrifying. Those stories are horrible. In the scary sense, not in the I wish you hadn't sent it in sense, although I do wish a little bit you hadn't sent it in. I mean, either way, if it's paranormal or a literal man on a ladder watching you, that's fucking terrifying either way. Good options. Like, neither of those (laughs) is what I would be choosing for this. Although I do feel if it was an actual man on a ladder, her mum's boyfriend would have caught him. Oh, yeah. There's no way you get down the ladder that quick and disappear out of sight by the time someone runs outside. It just doesn't happen. But, man, is that. They are terrifying stories just because they're not long doesn't make them any less creepy. I hate the idea of someone peering in through your window, particularly when it's a higher level than it should be. Because we've had stories before, haven't we, when someone's been looking in through the window and it's been like three stories off and you're like, how does that happen? Aliens. And then the uh, Insidious Devil Man, who is probably the worst part of the Insidious film, to be honest. Yeah, but I also would not like to see him on my staircase. (laughs) No. 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 I mean, it's fine to laugh laugh at him in the hypothetical in the Insidious films. Yeah. You know, he's like Darth Maul's less sexy yeah. cousin. We've but spoken about that. But that's because we know it's an actor in face paint. If it was yeah. someone 
If it if it literally looked like that in real life, I would and shit it myself. And at the top of your stairs. And I also, like, so many people message us after stories where a particular story has really resonated with them. So it might be that everybody doesn't find your sc- story scary, but it might really resonate with some people. And I'd so also... Don't, don't ever worry about it. I'd also like to put it out there that there's one person that will find your story scary regardless because I'm scared of everything. <laughs> so, yeah. And our second story today comes from Andrew. I've been in a few pretty spooky old buildings, but never one to hear or see anything ghostly. I've gotten feelings, but that could be the atmosphere of the place. But this incident shook that perspective. Are some ghostly happenings a glimpse into other timelines, small rips in the fabric of time? Are we the ghosts, or are they? I had an experience a few months ago that questions this point. We live in a neighbourhood 30 miles outside of Phoenix. The homes are spread out among mountain foothills. Neighbours are not very close, but they're in sight. I work from home most of the time, and during a break I'll step out the front for some sun and some fresh air. This day I was on the phone pacing from one side of the driveway to the other. I stepped into the rocks, a foot off the driveway, and was looking to the rear of the house when from behind me, I heard heavy, fast footsteps headed right towards me. It was so fast and so violent, like someone was going to attack me. They ended where I stood, right at my back. I brought up one arm to shield myself as I turned. But no one was there. I was so shocked and stunned. If this had been a real attack, I would have been knocked off my feet. It sounded like there were maybe eight steps. I looked around to see if it could have been an echo from someone walking in another yard, but there was nobody else around. I'm sure most people have seen that the yards out here are made of small rocks about an inch in size. You can't take one step without making a lot of noise, and you definitely can't sneak up on anyone. It's very distinctive. Two weeks before the weird ghostly near mugging, I found a very old square cut nail right next to the driveway, sitting on top of a small area of exposed dirt. This is really strange because the home's only 15 years old and the lots were levelled and dirt added and then rocks put over it. Of course, I've found nails from when the house was built, but nothing like this. I walk right past that area a lot and would have seen the nail. It was like it was left there for me to find. I sent a picture to my brother, who's done a lot of home remodeling up in New England. He told me that he'd seen thousands of them, and it was definitely at least 130 years old. He thought that there might have been a homestead where our house now sits. It's possible. There was water nearby back in the day. 130 years ago, this was the middle of nowhere, and in some ways it still is. So did a rancher from the past see a strange dude in a sleeveless shirt and shorts standing in his house, or out in the farmyard, and try to take me down? It sure felt like it. We will never know what the explanation really is, 
but it's strange that these events were tied together. I'm Dan sh- loves a ripping time. But I'm sure we've spoken about this before, but that whole idea that in some way the ghosts of the past, we're the ghosts of the future for the ghosts of the past, is really mind warping. So imagine someone back in 1890, this house isn't that old, so let's go a little bit earlier, a little bit later, 1920, like walks in through the door and sees us two sitting here with all this equipment talking to each other, freaks out, goes All out. this equipment, you're sitting there topless. Yep. <laughs> sees, sees me topless, goes, oh my gosh, we need to cleanse this house of those demons. And then obviously we get freaked out because we see like a 1920s bloke walking in through the door. There was a really great story on... There's a boards.ie thread, which is like an Irish version of Reddit. It's like a message board type thing. And there was a thread about strange and paranormal experiences. And these this guy commented, and it has stayed in my head ever since, that him and his friend during the summer holidays would go cycling every day. Like you do when you're a kid. Yeah. And they'd cycle here, there and everywhere in the countryside in Ireland. And they were cycling through this country lane. And they turned and they saw a woman in like a a peasant woman basically and she was out hanging out like beating out rugs in her yard right of this old stone cottage and she looked just as shocked to see them as they were to see her so she stopped what she was doing and was completely horrified and they nearly crashed into each other trying to get a look at her because they were like who the fuck is this one and then the next day when they went back the cottage was a complete ruin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he kind of grew up going did did I? Did we somehow see each other? How did that happen? That's time slip territory, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's like a, time, a full-on time slip. Whereas um, Andrew is talking about almost like a ghostly encounter, isn't he? It's, it's footsteps rushing up behind him and finding him now. Yes, quite the same. But what he's saying is, did a rancher from the past see him as his future self standing there on the phone? Yeah in a sleeveless shirt and go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So it is kind of like a time slip. Yeah. But more of a haunting. No? I think it's more of a time slip. Okay. Answers on a postcard, please. (laughs) Which do you think it is? Do you think it's a haunting or a time slip? I don't know. Andrew, let us know. Which do you think it is? let us know. Let us know. But I do wonder if if that is possible. I mean, there's, there's also that great story that we did. I think it was on a Patreon episode about the guy who saw himself when he was a child. Oh, yeah, no. Like, and there's so many stories about stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's even creepier in my mind. What, seeing yourself? Well, no, just seeing like an old ghost when you were a kid and then suddenly it occurring to you when you're that old dude and you see a ghostly kid that you've already been there but you were in the other position. I know. It's so weird. I think that's the point. I just dropped dead. You would. (laughs) It's just that as the realisation dawns, the heart just gives up and that's it. Boom. Yeah. On the floor. It's all too much for you. <laughs> so our third story today comes from Alex. I recently worked for a business in northwest London for around a year. The company makes soft furnishings, curtains, blinds, etc. for the high-end market. Doing the small amount of woodwork involved in the company's production... I was allocated a cramped workshop downstairs. From the interview, I already felt what I'd previously scoffed at. An explicit uneasy feeling when first shown the space and a through the bone cold despite it being summer. 
I worked at the place for a year and experienced a variety of things that changed my outlook on almost everything forever. First of all, the aforementioned cold for me soon faded. At first, I presumed it was a heating issue that had been resolved. But whenever a colleague would enter, they'd be freezing and even put on a jacket or a top, whatever the weather. Whereas I'd often be sweating in a t-shirt. I was always asked how I was able to work in such a temperature. It was a small space, so it's not like running around would generate heat. Items would often go missing or inexplicably move and reappear in their rightful place. Throughout the year, I also gained a visible amount of weight. I didn't mind, as with my partner being pregnant, I had heard this was common, as testosterone can often fall in the male. However, just before my spell came to an untimely end, I reweighed myself, and I was exactly the same as when I started. This was on the exact same set of scales, in the same room, in the same work clothes. But my appearance was changing. Family and friends mentioned the chunkier appearance issue, thus dispelling any vanity explanations. I also found it incredibly difficult to focus throughout this year, and began to feel at times that I was losing my mind. Male baby brain may well of course explain this, However, I'd experienced moments of anger and mild rage that increased in occurrence and degree. It was strange for what was the happiest time of my personal life. My predecessor worked in my position for three years and had to return to his home country due to, in essence, losing his sanity beyond repair. Rage, anger, losing control of attention span. Items would be thrown across the basement and the mostly female team would be scared to go downstairs. The story had it, when the company first moved into the space, and as the team were shown the building for the first time, a worker fell from the stairs, which at that point had no banister. But it was as if she was pushed, and she required urgent paramedic attention after landing into the basement that I would later work in. I can tell you that if you slipped on the stairs, you would not have landed in the way that was described to me. I spent a lot of quiet time trying to work that one out. Writing would randomly appear. An engineer square I used regularly once had daubed going crazy on the handle. I went to ask who had done this, but then noticed rust specks on top of the ink so it could not have been done the night before. Of course, my insane predecessor may have done this, but I would have noticed if it had been there before. Another time when using an orbital sander and the space filled with fine sawdust, a glass panel on the aforementioned stairway began to show writing. Sentence was written over sentence and over sentence, as if done by a finger in dust. At first I thought someone had done this on the stairs, but when I dusted the accessible side and noticed the direction of the writing, I realised that it was done on the logistically challenging side. Maybe someone had used a tall ladder and worked out how to stand on it so they could write for a long time over and over for no gain. It was too far up for me to read, and the only word I could see was British. 
I also developed a strong fascination with the paranormal during this time, as if an attraction was planted in my head. Lastly was the accident. While I'm not a master woodworker, I'm careful and appreciate health and safety. Modesty aside, I know what I'm doing. Yet, while using a circular blade skill saw, I badly lacerated three fingers, requiring hospital treatment and stitches. Luckily, I didn't lose any fingertips, and three months later, I'm almost fully recovered. Mistakes happen, but in my hazy blood loss distorted memory, it felt like a mixture of, one, the plank I was trimming being yanked, the tool was cordless, so there was no tangle issue, and two, as if I was shouldered out of position, much like when playing football, up West Hamdan, and being tackled. I never went back into that building and to that job after the accident, which, for what it was worth, was right next to the reportedly haunted and ancient Kensal Green Cemetery. Now my attention span is back, my weight is reducing, I don't feel any anger, and I have the most amazing baby boy. I work now in a mannequin manufacturer's, and I don't ever feel the slightest bit creeped out, showing I'm definitely not the type to get easily spooked. All of the above can be explained rationally, but I almost feel like I knew something was in that workshop, something angry. Anyway, thanks for letting me finally detail the whole episode down and have some closure. Thank you for the West Ham shout out, Alex. I appreciate that. It sounds like this used to be the workshop of an evil genius who was spiralling into insanity and it's just like the energy of the evil genius continuing on. And, and taking over, works in that yeah, space. whoever goes into that workshop is taken over again it, and again. Yeah, I don't think it was his pre- immediate predecessor. I feel like he was his predecessor was just a victim to the same thing Alex was. Yeah, and if Alex had stayed, yeah. he would have gone down the same yeah. pathway. Yeah. But I wonder, I do wonder, did his predecessor come out of it after he was away from the workshop? Yeah, you never know because he went back to his home country, I guess. Yeah, so, so you'd wonder if he was... Uh... You need to track him down, Alex. <laughs> yes, Alex, and let us know because we're desperate to know these things. But I don't feel... I feel like the cemetery next door might provide the energy, but I feel like I feel like the way that the story is told is specifically to do that space. Yeah, and I do think... I think we give a lot of weight to cemeteries where there shouldn't be. Yeah. It's, it's very unusual, I think, for someone to die in a horrific way in an actual cemetery. I mean, if that's the cemetery that I think it is, it is well known for numerous hauntings. So... But aren't all those ancient cemeteries in London, like Highgate was the same... Yeah, but Highgate has actual vampires, so it's different. <laughs> yes, it does. That's very true. But all of, like, there was... Especially with the Victorian obsession with death. Didn't they, like, overpack those cemeteries? Yeah. And then they were... They went... And the cemeteries were opened because the Victorians went through a phase of just burying people in the street. Yep. Yeah, hmm. it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so but I think it's that space, and it reminded me in a way. I mean, it's very different, but you know the kind of mania that Christian Bale has in The Machinist. You know that role where he lost. I've loads... never seen it. You must have seen clips of it, though, have you? No, maybe. Not. I know the one where he's lost loads of weight. Yeah, yeah that and one. And he's just like it's there's this like obsessive madness that his character goes through. It... Is that the one where he goes insane on the set? Yeah. There's like that secret recording of him being like. Do you know who I am? Yeah, essentially because he starved himself. I don't know if it is that film actually, but he he essentially starved himself to a dangerous weight for that. Yeah, for that role. For that role. But 
the mania that that character has sounds like the mania that is fueling this experience that Alex and his predecessor have. So, so that's some kind of, you know, you don't know what he's down there. Maybe this is a Poisoner's Cabinet crossover episode and it's like some mad poisoner that's plotting the death of his loved one. That got very specific, weirdly <laughs> specific. And our final story today comes from Chelsea. A month before my sophomore year at college, my dad got a screaming good deal on a condo a few blocks from campus. This was in Washington State, up near the Canadian border. Two brothers had been living in it until a tragic kayaking accident in Oregon took the life of the younger one. The older brother was too upset to continue living in the condo alone after that. The grieving parents told my dad what had happened before selling him the place. Since the young man died in Oregon and not in the condo, we felt terrible, of course, for the parents, but not concerned about the condo itself. My dad and his friend helped me to move my sparse student belongings. I was thrilled to have the whole place to myself, at least at first. I chose the older brother's room, which was smaller, but had bigger closets and a nice view. The first night, I noticed footsteps on the stairs. I thought I just needed to get accustomed to the new place, living alone for the first time. And I thought I should talk to the neighbours about the loud footsteps though, as they woke me up almost nightly. After meeting the neighbours, two girls, I saw that their staircase was on the opposite side of mine, and they weren't coming and going at all hours of the night. The footsteps, loud like a man, never left the stairs, up and down like he was stuck on the stairway. I made sure I locked the doors and the garage carefully before going to bed at night. I was woken up in the night again. Clomp, clomp, clomp. I then overslept and rushed around in the morning grabbing my books while my coffee brewed. I threw my backpack over my shoulder and backed out the front door. I locked it and hurried down the steps and the garage door was gaping wide open and I knew I had definitely locked it. I didn't have time to deal with it so I found the remote in my car and closed it again, watched the door lower and lock and ran off to campus. When I returned that afternoon, it was open again. This happened so often that I took to locking the inside door to the garage and hoping that no one wanted to steal my boxes of unpacked stuff. I asked my boyfriend to stay over more, as I only had my beta fish to protect me. I didn't say anything about the strange occurrences, because I didn't want him to think I was being childish. His first time sleeping there, the footsteps woke him up too. He bravely went out to see who was in the condo. He checked every room and then saw the garage door completely open, of course. I have to admit, I am glad that someone else experienced these things and I wasn't imagining it. The electronics in the condo had a mind of their own. I never really used the oven, much less the timer on the stove, but it would go off at random times. The television channels constantly changed. I would come home to lights on when I knew I had turned them off. All of this was weird, but it wasn't a deal breaker. My dad had bought the place for me to live in while I went to college and I didn't want to complain. Also, the vibe I got wasn't negative, it was just unnerving. I had received mail addressed to the previous occupants, so I knew his name was Brian 
I started calling out his name to be quiet when it was especially active. About five or six months passed and I had grown used to the footsteps. Nothing ever came of them. I decided to move into the empty bigger bedroom, Brian's bedroom. And that's when it all went crazy. I needed to use one of the closets in the bigger room for linens. I carefully folded and stacked towels and sheets. And then I went downstairs and turned on the television. Just after I sat down on the couch, I heard an avalanche in my room. I ran up the stairs and down the hall. Every single thing I had carefully arranged in the closet was on the floor. I chalked it up to, I don't know, gravity? The first night in Brian's room I will never forget. At 2am the footsteps woke me as they climbed up the stairs. But for the first time he came to the top of the stairs and continued down the hallway towards my room. I was on my side facing the wall. I heard a man's footsteps enter the room and stop beside the bed. I couldn't move my body. Terrified and paralysed, I lay frozen on my side facing away from the sounds. Then I felt the full weight of a person lie down next to me on the bed. The mattress actually sunk down. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. Just as I was about ready to pass out from fear, my phone rang. This jarred me out of my paralysis. I turned quickly, like ripping a band-aid off and saw that there was no one in the room. I answered the phone. It was my boyfriend asking me to come pick him up at a bar. Normally at 2am, a phone call like this would make me angry, but that night I grabbed my coat and gladly flew out the door. I made my boyfriend stay with me until I could find a roommate. I didn't want to stay alone anymore. Then, the freakiest thing of all happened. I was doing homework on the couch at approximately 6pm, My phone rang once and stopped. I didn't recognise the number. Out of curiosity, I hit the return call button. A lady answered. Hi, I said. You just called me? No, she said a little irritated. I'm the only one here. They are closed. I'm cleaning. What business is this? I asked. This is the funeral home, she snapped. No one called. They are closed. Call back tomorrow. Funeral home? Where? Corvallis, Oregon. I have to go, the cleaning lady said and hung up. I dropped the phone and pranced around the room, shaking my hands out. When I finally picked up my phone again, there was no return number to be found. I decided that it was time to try and talk to Brian. I'm sure he had some questions of his own, like, why is there a girl in my bed? Why are there sheets and towels in my closet? I introduced myself, which was weird, in an empty condo. I told him that he had died on the kayaking trip in Oregon, and that I lived there now. I told him that his brother no longer lived there. I felt truly sad saying these things, but I was glad to get it out in the open. I told him he didn't have to leave, but he had to stop scaring me. The activity slowed way down after that conversation, until eventually it stopped. I hope this means that he has moved on. When I decided to write this, 
I sent a letter to the current residents of the condo, explaining who I am and asking if they have any experiences. A young woman texted and said it took her three hours to calm down after she read my letter. She has lived in the condo for a few years and has had tons of strange experiences there. She said she will call and talk about it. She also mentioned that she is so glad she isn't crazy. I feel validated by this, but also sad that he is rattling around in there. And then my best friend suggested, what if it isn't Brian? Oh, you're not ending it on that, yeah? Yeah. Oh, no, that's one of those I don't like rhetorical questions like that. There's a lot of things I don't like, actually, isn't there? Yeah, every 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 single story is like, well, don't like that, don't like that. Don't. These poor people writing in stories and all you can focus on is the negatives. I mean, I'm just scared of everything. Yeah, it's true. That's the truth. That bit about getting a phone call from the funeral home in Corvallis. Which Do you is, think it's Brian? Well, I don't even know. But, I mean, that is the home of Oregon State University, so... I feel like it's probably Brian and I feel like she's right he's probably like who the fuck yeah. is this bitch in my bed where's my brother and where's my brother and why is she putting towels in my closet like I would be annoyed too especially if you weren't aware that you were yeah. dead and especially I think with young people who die in like tragic circumstances their their spirit or their soul or whatever you want to call it is probably like no I'm not ready for this yet yeah energy is all youthful energy probably yeah. lingers longer they're probably not ready they're not expecting to die they're not ready to die so they must be like, hang on a second, this bitch is not coming into my condo. No, and it's all validated as well because the next tenant is experiencing stuff. The boyfriend saw all the things that she saw. That phone call is enough for me though. That that I literally dialed out at that point. <laughs> Pun. Um, I literally dialed out Did at that you? point. Did the yeah. you? Bo- the, the bit that got me was <sighs> when he... When she heard the footsteps up the stairs, because it is amazing what you get what you get used to. Mm. And at some point, you would get used to the footsteps on the stairs. But then they came into the room, and mm. he got into the fucking bed. Like mm. I can't even imagine the fear that she went through because you got two options. This is a ghost, which is horrific. Option number two: this is a real man, which I think might be worse. Which exactly? In the moment. <laughs> like in the moment, you'd be like, I don't know which is worse. Yeah. Which is actually worse. And I think it would be the real man would win out as being worse for me. I mean, I'd be too scared to do this, but I would suggest if yeah, if that happens to you, roll into the space. See <laughs> what happens. Just taken and see what happens. So if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find us by logging on to our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. Through that website, you can find links to our multiple merch stores. You can find links to our Patreon, which is a subscription service where you can get extra content weekly for either $5 or $2 a month. Not that anybody needs extra content at the moment. No, I mean, you are getting... I was going to say it all, but you're not because if you want like a podcast about science... Maybe Super Duperstitious might be able to help. Yeah, but <laughs> we're not... They're not... We're not getting episodes from them on our feed is what I mean. I know. I knew <laughs> what you meant. I was just doing a shameless plug. That's all. <laughs> If you want to send us a story, you can find the email address to send us your story on the website. And don't forget to donate to Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Bye.